This is Josh Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tasting. We are at a cocktail week, and I've got a special guest with me here today. We've got Jordan back on the podcast. Great to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. We are doing, like I said, we are doing cocktails this week, and we're going to kind of, we're not really going to talk about specific cocktails, but we're going to talk more about the tools of cocktail this week. Kind of, what are some of those basic things that would be best in your bar? to have so you can make pretty much any kind of cocktail that you want. And so we have three cocktails lined up this week. Uh, we have a Paloma, we have a Hemingway Daiquiri, and then we have a Manhattan. Three different kind of cocktails, all made three different ways, and just using some basic simple tools and you can make great cocktails. The Paloma we have in a highball, the Daiquiri we actually have in a double old fashioned, but we have it neat. Uh, so there's no ice in that because sometimes we serve it up. And I'll kind of explain why I did that later. And then we have a Manhattan, which is just straight up. Jordan, are you excited about this? Always. Cocktails. What's not to be excited about? Exactly. So Jordan's just really here. So I have somebody to talk to and just kind of drink with rather. Because we thought about, you know, just doing this by myself. And then it's kind of like, yeah, this is kind of weird me talking to the abyss. So talking with you guys. But here we go. So we're going to go ahead and cheers. Cheers to the first one. So this is a Paloma. Um, this is a tequila-based cocktail. What a Paloma is, is it's tequila, grapefruit juice, club soda, salt, and then some lime. This is what's called a glass-filled cocktail. And so we're going to kind of talk through what we taste first, and then I'll talk about how I made it. So Jordan's already getting into it. So what do you taste in this, Jordan? I can definitely get the lime as well as some grapefruit, ju grapefruit juice. It's very refreshing. Would be great sitting on a patio or by a pool on a hot summer day. Definitely making me think of what's to come here in this hot Arkansas summer. Yeah, so we're, we've actually finally got some cool weather here. I think, what, <laughs> a couple of days ago it was in the 50s. A couple of days before that it was in the 80s. You know, so it's, it's weird spring around here. But yeah, this is a super refreshing cocktail. Like I said, tequila, salt, grapefruit juice, uh, some lime, and some club soda. And the way I did this one, that kind of makes it a little different than traditional Paloma, is I used a lime sparkling water so lime lacroix bubbly i use trader joe's version of it to give that lime that effervescence and it's just a it's a super good cocktail i've actually <laughs> never i've actually never had a paloma before until now i don't think i have and if i have it's been a really long time since i've had a paloma but i definitely want to drink this all summer long yeah i mean most people when they think tequila they go to a margarita a margarita that's kind of the you know the standard but this is actually really good and it's super simple to make like i said this is in a in a highball glass or a collins glass and this is a glass built cocktail you got to have good glassware for a glass built cocktail in my opinion yes you can build it in any kind of any kind of glass you want but having a good highball or a collins glass really helps you in making it with this one i don't know about you and you can kind of talk to about how you make this but when i make glass built cocktails i always put my ice in first which i think ice is one of those things that is a it's a bar tool but it's not really thought about very often i mean how many times have we tried to make cocktails we've been out of ice oh that's the worst is when you're out of ice we've made cocktails before like oh this sounds so good and then we go and like well we don't have ice so we're going to audible and just do some whiskey neat, I guess. It happens more often than we'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah, it does. I would say ice is kind of that one main 
cocktail tool that you really need to think about because if you don't have ice, it is extremely hard to make any any cocktail, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And I agree putting the ice into your glass first because you start to chill your glass as well. Um, very important. I've made cocktails like this where I've waited for the ice later and I always spill it. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, I always spill. I don't care how careful you are putting that ice in. Something's always I mean, going to spill. Physics and fluid dynamics are, you know, they're just, they're kind of bitches sometimes. But the way I built this was I put my ice in and we had some good one inch cubes. So I put about four one inch cubes, which kind of filled the glass a good bit. If you have smaller cubes, I'd say maybe just about half the glass, fill it with half the glass. Then start putting in your ingredients. So then I put in the salt, the tequila, just two ounces of tequila, an ounce of grapefruit juice. And then when you have that ice in there, you can kind of see, okay, well, my cocktail is pretty full. And that's the other reason I put ice in first is because I, I want the cocktail to be balanced. I don't want to be too diluted. Because if I were to put my sparkling water in next and then my ice, it may get out of proportion. Having that ice in there, then I put the sparkling water in to fill it up. And then I just took a bar spoon and kind of gave it a couple swirls to mix it around. And that's it. Like super simple, easy to make. Just a pinch of salt, I'm assuming. Yeah, just a little pinch of sea salt. If you're doing this at home and you don't have sea salt, don't use table salt because it can be really, really salty. Use some kosher salt, but be very careful with how much you put in, depending on how salty kosher salt is. And then the other reason I like most, most of these cocktails that are glass made have some kind of effervescence in them. I mean, gin and tonic, you know, those type of things have that effervescence. And the great thing about pouring that effervescence in last, which is what I always suggest to do, is it will naturally stir the cocktail for you just by the effervescence going around. And then you just got to put a little spoon in it for pour it just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Because it just, I mean, this is really good. I'm just jabbering Just marry now. it all together with that spoon. What do you think of this cocktail? Just like straight up talking about this cocktail. You know. It's got that grapefruit juice, which you and I aren't a huge grapefruit fan. I'm not a huge grapefruit fan, but grapefruit gives it a nice freshness, especially mixed with the lime. It's just refreshing. Mm-hmm. End of story, refreshing, great summer cocktail, hot weather. It would be great for you people who have boats that go out oh, on yeah. the lake. This would be a great lake cocktail. Yeah, and I think this would be, what do you think about this being like a... Uh, like a pitcher cocktail. Oh, yeah. Like, Making a pitcher of this and being able to just sit on the porch or whatever and pour it out into individual glasses. And since it's already a built cocktail, a glass-built cocktail, it would be really easy to up your proportions and build it in a pitcher. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of what I was thinking was like, you know, you mentioned boat. And I didn't even think about this. But like, if you've got one of those like dispensing igloos. Yes. You know, you put you put the tequila, the salt, the... Get your ice in there. Get the ice in there and get the grapefruit juice in there and just leave that. And then when people make it, because you want to save the bubbliness, they just pour a little bit and then they can top it with however much water, sparkling water that they want. Or you can even do other flavors too. Yeah. And there are some great flavors out there that would work really well with this cocktail besides lime. Yeah. So what, what are some of those flavors you're thinking about? I'm thinking about that cranberry clementine. Oh, would yeah. probably go really well. That's another Trader Joe's find. 
liter bottle for 79 cents in case anybody is wondering. It's a fantastic deal. You know, I was thinking that watermelon bubbly Ooh, that we, that we that got would the other go day. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Watermelon. Any of those like refreshing fruits I think would be and really good with this. The other orange one from Trader Joe's. It's not straight orange, but there's cranberry clementine and there's another mandarin orange. Yeah. Maybe. The, man, the mandarin orange would be would, good probably go really well and if you really like grapefruit just take some grapefruit sparkling water grapefruit put La- it in there as well grapefruit lacroix or papamousse yeah. lacroix <laughs> for those I mean, of you that don't know french trader joe's has grapefruit sparkling water sodas lacroix mm. and i believe bubbly has a grapefruit one as well so there's some options out there pick your poison yeah you know speaking of ice since this is the only cocktail that we have that has ice in it you know you can also play with the ice that goes into it you can like freeze juices you can put like fresh fruit or mint or something into your ice cubes you know speaking about like the boat the boat party punch thing can you imagine like taking some like of that water or that juice and kind of mixing it together and make ice with it Ooh, that would give it an extra depth and you said mint the mint ice cubes would give it an extra note of freshness right because this is so fresh so light Mm -hmm. so beautifully summer yeah i love mint especially in the summer i put mint in just regular water everything think about some mint ice cubes to give it that extra right that extra pop and you know people other people who like more savory things you could even use basil i think Mm. i think basil with this would be really really good I want to try that. Yeah, we may have to try that later once we can, you know, plant some basil and it doesn't die on us again. Um, <laughs> My basil plant. My poor basil <laughs> plant. You know, it went up, it went to seed, and then it just, you know, we didn't take care of it. It's true. It's my fault. Well, this is really good. Uh, you know, I've always mentioned, like, tequila and salt. Uh, you know, a lot of recipes with this I've seen is a salted rim, like other margarita drinks. But I always say, put it in the drink. Let it mix in with the drink. Don't make yourself have to mix it yourself with mouth because that's also the, also the salt just is, is more aggressive to me when it's on the when it's on the rim rather than just mixed into the cocktail. I agree. When it's on your rim and you lick it or whatever, it's just it's so salty. And then you take a drink and it marries well, but you get that initial just harsh straight salt. Yeah. In the drink, it just marries throughout, um, and you kind of get a little bit of it in every sip versus right all at once, and then it mixing once you take a sip. You know, I remember the first time that I made you a margarita with salt in it, and you, uh, you didn't know that it was in it, and I gave it to you. You're like, where's the salt? I, I, where's the salt? And I was like, I put it in the drink because I don't, I don't like the rim. And you're like, whatever. It's not going to be good at all. And now? Best margarita ever. There's the dirty margarita secret if you want to know it. Yeah. Put the salt in the glass. Put it, put, it in, put it in the shaker when you make the drink. Yes. So, all right. I think. Uh, and now I'm at the point if he makes a margarita and he forgets the salt, I can tell. And I'm like, you forgot something. Where's my salt? Exactly. And then I'll go like, I'll go reshake it with the salt. And she's like, yep, there it is. That's the difference. Well, speaking of shaking cocktails, I think we're going to kind of step to the next cocktail we've got on our table, which is a Hemingway daiquiri. Now, now we're getting into some more of the tools. So here we're adding in a brand new tool. It's called a Boston shaker. 
I always suggest the Boston shaker over other types of shakers because they're much more versatile in my opinion. And they don't get stuck. <laughs> they don't get stuck. The top little, the little nubby bit where it's strained, the all in one things, I just skip it in my opinion. A Boston, a Boston shaker, as you will see in the Instagram photo, is basically two cups that fit together that kind of clamp down and then you use them to shake in. Um, and so this cocktail is one where the reason that we shake this cocktail is because it's alcohol and fruit with no effervescence. Uh, so what we're, this cocktail is a daiquiri. So it's, it's rum based and I use the um, Diplomatico Manitowano rum that we've had before in the podcast. Uh, lime juice, grapefruit juice, and Luxardo. And the grapefruit juice and Luxardo is what makes it a Hemingway daiquiri, which, you know, we're not really going to get into kind of the history of these cocktails like we've done before, because this is more of a tool, a cocktail tool episode. Um, but that's kind of what makes a Hemingway daiquiri a little bit different, is that grapefruit juice and the Luxardo, which is a cherry liqueur from Italy. And this was supposedly what Hemingway drank all the time when he was in the Caribbean. When he was down there in Cuba, in Cuba and down in Miami, doing his at packs, at packs writing thing, this was his drink. This was his home drink. And the reason that we shake here is to get the dilution that we want and to marry the cocktail together. So we'll kind of get into it, and then we'll talk about exactly how this cocktail is made. This is served in an old-fashioned glass, which you'll notice as well in the Instagram picture. And people may be like, "Well." You know, traditionally it's served up. I just feel like this is what Hemingway would drink it out of. <laughs> I don't see Hemingway with a coupe glass or a martini glass. I see him either with this or a coffee cup. Like, that's just kind of my thing, <laughs> Like, which is why I did it this way. Definitely a coffee or a teacup with his daiquiri in it, for right. sure. And so it's just having it this way just feels a little bit more true to Hemingway himself. So cheers again. What do you think of this one? Cherry. The cherry really comes through on the nose. Haven't taken a sip yet, but that that cherry. And so once again the the Diplomatica rum is a Colombian rum. Colombian aged rum. Some recipes you'll see says use a white rum. I don't know. I feel like Hemingway would 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 go for some Colombian rum right now if he was here. <laughs> oh man. But I that, think Hemingway would applaud you with this particular cocktail. You know. Maybe I'd get, you know, maybe he'd write a Write a short story about the podcast called "The Old Man and the Drink," <laughs> <laughs> rather than "The Old Man and the Sea." But you know, what do you what do you think of this? So the cherry is present on the palate, but to me, it's not as present as on the nose because you get the lime and the rum that come through a lot more once you get it on the palate. But to me, when I sniff it, the cherry mm. is the overwhelming smell. Right. And maybe it's just me. No, I, I agree that that cherry really comes out of the nose. But when you get in the cocktail, there's this like floral element that I really wasn't expecting. It's almost like those really tropical scents you get, like hibiscus and birds of paradise and the little Hawaiian ones that I can never think of the name for. But it just has that like exotic floral note with that bite that acidic bite from the lime juice and the grapefruit juice cherryness spiciness of the rum like this is another this is another cocktail that i actually have never had before and 
I am digging it. Same. It's delicious. Man, so, that's good. So, do you think that tropical floral note comes through because of the rum? You know, honestly, I think it's a play between the grapefruit juice and the Luxardi. Okay. Because, you know, I don't drink a lot of rum in general. Right. So, that's why I ask if it's coming from the rum or if you think it's other things that are giving you more of that. Right. I think I think the rum is that, like, light, spicy orangeness that kind of envelops the cocktail. As you kind of drink, it kind of goes around your mouth to kind of pull it together. But that um, that florally fruitiness, I really think, is more of the grapefruit and the sardo play together. It's delicious, though. This would be another great, maybe not a boat, but definitely a patio or yeah. a pool-type drink. You know, we um, talk about apres ski cocktails, so, you know, after... After the ski. I think this would be a great apres boat cocktail. Yes. Like, or even apres ski cocktail, because it's still kind of warming, but I would not, I would not suggest drinking a bunch of these on your boat. No. Because <laughs> you may not get your boat back to dry land <laughs> with this, because it is sneaky. Yes. Uh, if you're going to drink it on the boat, make sure that your boat driver is not drinking them, either not drinking at all or drinking something very light and refreshing. I'd give your boat driver the Paloma, not the Hemingway Daiquiri. Yeah. Or, you know, have one of these as you're pulling into the dock. Yeah. You know, have your Palomas during the day. Change your proportions of the Paloma so you can make sure you hydrate really well. And still have a good time. This, you know, this is a good cocktail. I think, you know, this is a great happy hour cocktail. An apres cocktail. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a great, like, late spring, early summer. I don't know if in the dead of our summer, I would want to drink this because it is. it's a little bit heavier. Exactly what I was going to say, but definitely late spring, early summer, um, even into starting into the fall before it gets really, really cold, but mm-hmm. kind of when the weather is just starting to cool down, this would be a great transition cocktail at that time of the year because it is still light and refreshing, yeah. but it's still got that warmth to it. Yeah. That's, yeah, I, I didn't think of this as a fall cocktail, you know, being a daiquiri. I always think of warmer weather. But you know, like you said, kind of an early fall or, you know, around here sometimes we get hot Thanksgivings. <sighs> I think this could be like a good, uh, like, Thanksgiving happy hour cocktail. Speaking of, like, Thanksgiving cocktails, I know, Jordan, you've mentioned before, you're from Montana. Yes. So this cocktail, being what it is, and Montana's weather being what it is, when would you think like the best time to drink this cocktail would be for somebody from Montana or somebody from a colder weather climate? Mid to late July to depending on the year, because, you know, weather is always weird sometimes. But late August into mid-September at the latest. Okay. After that, it gets a little chilly because usually we have our first snowfall around October 1 or so. And then, you know, I've never had a Halloween where I didn't need a snowsuit. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I always wore a snowsuit, but I probably should have. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So for our, so for our listeners that are maybe in a little bit colder environment, you know, we're talking about, you know, all this, um, you know, this would be kind of one of those like late spring, summery cocktails. You know, for us, your summer is probably our spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I just remember, I remember when I, I did a summer 
teaching in New Hampshire when I was in college. And like at night, you know, shorts and a sweatshirt in June and July. Like I was, I, I absolutely loved it because I love wearing that kind of stuff. But it was so mind blowing to me that at night I needed a sweatshirt in the middle of, <laughs> in the middle of summer. <laughs> it was, it was so crazy. I actually, partly because of that, I tried to get a friend of mine and I started a, start a charter school in Maine. <laughs> but you know, anyway, I digress. This is a really good cocktail. Yeah. Hemingway knew what he was doing or his bartender knew what to give him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're almost done with yours. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. Goes down. Like, it goes down really. It doesn't um, have that alcohol bite that sometimes you get from a cocktail, whether it's just poorly made or the ingredients aren't good quality, whatever it may be. But it's this one specifically is very well balanced, very easy to drink. You don't have any hotness or. Yeah. So it's just, you could get yourself in trouble because it's smooth and easy. And I could drink four or five of these and be in real trouble real fast. Real, real trouble. So let me talk about a little bit how I made this one because we're talking about like the tools. So the Boston Shaker comes with a large side and a small side. I always build mine in the large side. So in the large side, I put two ounces of rum, of that Manitowana rum. I put a three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, a quarter, a half an ounce of grapefruit juice, and then a half an ounce of Luxardo. Then, so that I don't slosh things everywhere, I take the other side and I go get ice in. And then I dump the ice in there. And one of the tricks with a Boston shaker that I do is I always smack the top of it just to make sure that seal is really good. And then I hold it and you shake it. Now, is there a proper way to shake? Probably. Are there things that because I'm a percussionist and I know ways to shake a shaker that I do? Yes. Shake it however you want. But a proper way or the most effective way. Let me put it that way. The most efficient way to shake it is you want to shake in a seat. So you kind of want to start at the top and come to the bottom in kind of a semicircular motion. It's just less strain on your body and you're getting good movement around now in these type of cocktails that have got the juice we want that agitation we want that big physical agitation we want the ice to break a little we want to get that good dilution because that really helps the cocktail and then after you separate you separate the two parts of the boston shaker and you have a strainer that goes with it um the strainer you'll use with this one and the next one in a lot of different you pop the strainer on you strain it straight in your glass uh, you can also use a small sieve as a double strainer, which a lot of cocktail places, you'll see them mm-hmm. double strain a cocktail. There are two reasons for that. One, if there are fresh squeezed juices, which are always best, that helps to get some of the extra pulp out. Just to make sure there's no pulp in your cocktail, keep it, keep it clean. But it will also strain out any bits of ice that broke because we don't want that extra delusion in the glass. A lot of times it's served up, so they kind of want want to make sure none of that extra ice gets in there to water down the cocktail. Um, at home, you don't really have to double strain. I usually only double strain if I'm using extremely fresh juice, just to make sure I don't get that pulpy bit, just because I don't like it. But if you like pulp, don't worry about it. Your blood orange margarita is almost always double strained. It's uh, because blood orange, because when I, when I juice the blood oranges, it's always pulpy. 
So I have to always double double strain that double strain my blood orange margarita because the blood oranges we get around here, like when I I don't know what it is, but when I strain the juice that I make, there's always super pulp. Always. But then it's there's still pulp when I make the cocktail. I don't understand it. And I use a super fine mesh. Anyway, now now we're just getting off on a tangent about, <laughs> about my blood orange margarita, which is amazing, by the because way. Because it's delicious. So if you're ever around if you're ever around Little Rock and you want to hang out and you're vaccinated and you're inoculated, we can definitely make some blood orange margaritas because they're they're really good. Yes, please. <laughs> so all right. Well let's uh let's head toward our final cocktail of the night, which is a super classic cocktail. It's a Manhattan. And our Manhattan Kind of brings up our final tools that we need. So we've talked about having good glassware and good ice. We've talked about having a Boston shaker and a strainer. And the last thing we're going to talk about is a cocktail glass. Now, this is what's called a stirred cocktail. And so we don't shake this cocktail. This cocktail is actually stirred in a cocktail glass with a cocktail spoon. So this is a Manhattan super super classic cocktail technically three ingredient we made it four just and i'll explain that in a minute Uh, but it also has another tool in it in the actual cocktail which is bitters some people say bitters are like the salt of cocktails i I mean i kind of agree with that but we've also had two cocktails without bitters so whatever maybe the classic cocktail world but those are the kind of things that are in this cocktail that make it really specific so you know, we want to make sure we have a good cocktail glass, strainer, spoon, and bitter. So let's go ahead and taste this one a little bit. We'll talk about it, and then we'll uh, talk about it. Cheers. If you haven't noticed, Jordan and I always cheers whenever we drink. Something new, we, we cheers every time. It's something back to my family. You don't take a drink without a good cheers, and you better make eye contact. That's the other thing. You know, we- we should probably get a bunch of people and do like, um, like cheersing etiquette. There's so much. There's so many mm-hmm. things out there internationally. Yeah, that would be a fun episode to that like would be. travel around. So if you're international or you have certain cheers things, that'd be fun. We would we'd love to come visit you because I you know I'm fully inoculated, vaccinated, fully inoculated. Dad is vaccinated, fully inoculated. Jordan will be in two weeks. Yay. Or maybe maybe ten days from now, but <clears throat> yeah, about 10, 10, 12 days, and I should be fully inoculate, inoculated. But it'd be fun to like travel around and just talk about, I mean, cheers culture, pub culture. Yeah. But anyway, so like I said, this is Manhattan, and we're not going to go into the history of this, but this is a classic, classic cocktail. Yes. That has been around for a long. Long time, probably longer than either one of these other cocktails. Uh, I would be shocked if it hadn't been. Yeah, maybe the Paloma, but this is an alcohol-forward cocktail, and that's that is why we stir this cocktail over shake. This cocktail has three. Well, what we're drinking has four ingredients, and they're all alcohol-based. When we have when we have cocktails that are one hundred percent alcohol. We stir it. And that is because we want a little bit of dilution, but we don't want that aggressive mixing and dilution that shaking gets. So there's a specific glass that is given for stirring. And, you know, technically, 
you could do this in the bottom part of a Boston shake, which I've done before when I had before I had a cocktail glass. But the dilution, because it's a smaller diameter, and when you're stirring, you know, stirring more, you get more more surface area, faster spinning, physics, all that jazz. So having the glass there really helps. But the other thing is glass versus metal and the heat transfer. Once again, you know, physics, thermodynamics, all that jazz. You know, my sister could probably explain exactly why it's better. Dad probably could. But, you know, I know just enough to be dangerous a little bit and to know that I'd rather have my glass cocktail stir. <laughs> but anyway, so what do you think of this one? So I'm not usually a Manhattan fan. It tends to be extremely bitter for me and I turn up my nose and I would much rather have an old fashioned. Yeah. Um, but this is extremely well balanced. It's not quite as bitter as most of the Manhattans I've had. Right. Which is a huge compliment because most of the Manhattans I've had have not been made at somebody's house. They've been in a <laughs> bar that I've paid, you know, twelve, uh, fifteen yeah. bucks for. But this is actually very drinkable. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm going to finish the whole thing, but considering I came into this going, Manhattan, uh, nope. I mean, what we had a probably a 15 minute discussion before, before the episode, trying to figure out what to do as a stirred cocktail, because we talked about an old fashioned. I was like, well, old fashions are everywhere. An old fashioned can also technically be a glass built cocktail. Right. We talked about doing a Sazerac, which is another technically can be glass glass built cocktail uh because of the way the bitters and the sugar work. We talked about a Bucare gin. Talked about a Grody gin. Talked about a Boulevardier. Nah, I mean a little bit. Talked about a Rob Roy. Jordan doesn't really believe that blended scotch should exist. It's true. We talked if it's about, not single malt it shouldn't exist. We talked about a rusty nail, which same thing, blended scotch. And a honey scotch liqueur so she's just you know see i thought so you say that all the ones you've had were too bitter i thought it was that it was sweet it was too sweet because of the sweet vermouth i thought it was the sweet vermouth you didn't like that's what i thought too but i don't know what you did differently and i know you're about to talk about it but this is one of the most drinkable manhattans i've ever had and i've paid way too much money for manhattans in my day and not like them right Let's get into the technical part of this cocktail before we get too deep. So once again, this is a stirred cocktail. So you want to have a good cocktail glass. So when we're talking about tools, we're not talking about 45,000 things. Right now we've talked about good ice cubes, which means good ice cube tray. Good glassware, which is you should have good glassware. We've talked about a Boston shaker, which is going to come with a strainer. And we've talked about a cocktail glass and a cocktail and then bitter. So that's seven things. If you take out the bitters, that's six. If you take out the ice cube trays, five things. You re- those are the only, in my opinion, those are the only really things you need to make great cocktails. And one of those is actually just a drink. So glass. You could even say that you only really need four, four tools for your bar that, that really will help you make a good cocktail. And so it, it's, People were like, oh, you need so much stuff. I was like, no, you don't. There's just a few simple tools that you need and a couple techniques, and then you can make almost any cocktail that you want. Now with this one. So we've got our cocktail glass. 
So I, with a cocktail glass, I always fill it with ice flat because got an easy like little fill ice tray in the door thing. Doesn't matter. And it doesn't splash too much because the cocktail glasses are a lot bigger and they're a lot wider than a Boston shake. So in this Manhattan, there's two ounces of bourbon or rye. So I split the difference. I used a high rye bourbon. And then there's one ounce of sweet vermouth. And I used a very good sweet vermouth. And we have a we have somebody that we know who has a pedestal about sweet vermouth. And I kind of agree with it. You know, sweet vermouth is something that a lot of bars don't think about. It's just something you, you get from your guy and you have it on the shelf and whatever. But it's a wine product. Keep it chilled. Get good quality. And it's really good. Agreed. So I used, a really, I used a really good sweet vermouth. So one ounce of that. Two dashes of Angostura bitters, which are like your standard bar bitter. You're going to buy one bitter and have it in your bar forever. It's Angostura. Just buy the big bottle. <laughs> I mean, it, it's worth it. It doesn't go bad. And side note, for those of you trying to get off of soda, if you're trying to kick soda, you want to do, but you still want something that's got flavor and bubbles in it. Buy yourself club soda and add bitters to it. it. It you get flavor, you get bubble. I when I was working at a restaurant, I kicked myself off a of soda just by doing that one, trip, and I lost a bunch of weight. I did bitters and sparkling water. I really like personally like mint, so I did mint mm-hmm. bitters, and it just was a game changer. Yeah, and you only need a couple drops of bitters for like a liter of water and it flavors it really well. So if you're working now, obviously be cautious of your work situation, but a couple drops of bitters because bitters does have, is an alcohol base, technically alcohol, but a couple drops to a liter of water most likely is not going to impair anyone. Right. And, but like I said, be cautious of your specific work situation, but it's a great way to get off of those high sugar, content drinks mm-hmm. and it's a and it's a, and it's cheaper anyway and it's delicious and you can make gallons upon gallons yeah of your sparkling water flavored sparkling water with one bottle of bitters yeah it's it's so worth it so angostura bitters are like old time bitters they're spicy i mean i i had a i had a make your own angostura bitters once that came in a a subscription box that I have. And it's just a bunch of like, it's almost like mulling spices. It's almost like the same stuff as mulling spices that you like soak in alcohol to make. Anyway, so that's kind of what it is. It's just kind of a warming spice bitter. And then one stash of orange bitters. If you're going to have two bitters in your cabinet, you have Angostura bitters and you have orange bitters. Orange bitters go in a lot of things. You can put orange bitters in any of the, co- any of the other cocktails we'd have and it would be okay. And then you put that in there, and then you stir. Now, when you stir, you want to use a bar spoon. And there's a little bit of technique that that comes to using a bar spoon. So I hold a bar spoon basically with my pinky and my forefinger. And then it goes behind my other two fingers. And when you put it into the cocktail glass, you want to put the back of the spoon toward the glass. You kind of put it down. And then you just kind of twist around with your wrist. You'll notice that. All bar spoons are twisted, and that's so that when you do that motion, it will actually spin in your hand rather than you have to do anything. 
Now, traditionally, you could like run your finger up and down. It will spin itself in the middle. But having doing that kind of motion, you actually don't have to worry about spinning the spoon itself. It will actually kind of naturally spin on its own. And if you do it where you can spin your finger down it, you don't have to stop and go back to the top either. Right. Yeah, and a lot of them will have like a muddler on the bottom of it or something like that. And so spin it around, you know, and that's your dilution. So you're going to use that to spin the ice and the cocktail together 15, 15 to 30 seconds, and you've got your dilution. Pop that, take the spoon out, pop the strainer on top, pour the cocktail out, and you're done. Garnish, we've, those of you that have been listening for a long time, you know kind of how I personally feel about garnish at home. If you've got it, use it. Because, you know, Manhattans are traditionally garnished with a brandy cherry. I don't have brandy cherries here. It's not like it really changes the cocktail. Because it's just no. a garnish. Now, if it was like a slap of basil that gives some aromatics, then I'd be a little bit more inclined. Maybe an orange peel. Sometimes I, I, I'm at home. I'm at home. I'm making a cocktail. I don't, I don't have to have I agree with that. At home, I'm much more lax about the garnish. At bars, then I'm paying you 15 bucks to make my cocktail. I want the damn garnish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, de- like, it's definitely one of those things that's just kind of time and place. But that's, uh, that's kind of this cocktail. Let's uh, kind of go back through. What has been your favorite cocktail tonight? I really think the Paloma. The Hemingway Daiquiri was fantastic. Uh, but that Paloma was just so light, so refreshing. So, and maybe it's, we are going into summer. Mm-hmm. We're not quite there yet, but maybe it's that like we're hitting that point in central Arkansas that I am just like, I want those light, refreshing things that I can drink by the pool or sit in my front yard. Yeah. I mean, yes, was... I do a lot of front yard drinking. Don't judge me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what it was 87 on Monday. Right. But, that was just so well balanced, so beautiful, so light, so refreshing. But there has not been a bad cocktail put in front of me. Right. Truly. I mean, the Hemingway daiquiri is nice because it could go into the fall. Right. To me, the Manhattan is more fall drink, fall winter drink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It tends to be warmer, a little bit spicy. Yeah. Getting into that. I want a scarf and a nice coat. Right. And a pair of boots. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's kind of that into that warmer season. Yeah, well, that makes sense. But that Paloma is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is just fabulous. I'm going to be finishing that glass here soon. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think it's, for me, I think my favorite was that Hemingway tag. And it may have been using that, that uh, Diplomatico rum that get, just gave it that like warmy spiciness that like a white rum would not have done. But like you said, there wasn't a bad one on the table and each one has their time and place. You know, I kind of agree with you that the Manhattan is more of a, maybe more of a fall or more of a second or third cocktail or a, an after dinner. Yes. Uh, just kind of rounds, rounds you out a little bit. You don't need to come straight in off the street and, and have a hot summer and have that like no i know when i was when i would walk to a bar downtown in the summer i would get like a a, a little lay on the rocks just as like to cool myself down right <laughs> like, just something 
light, easy to drink, but this Paloma would be fantastic for that. How can you imagine having this after mowing the yard? I was <laughs> literally about to say that Paloma after doing yard work, whether it's mowing or weeding or trimming, whatever you've got to do, that Paloma would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Come in, you're sweating, you're hot, you're gross. Sit down with this nice, light, refreshing cocktail. Replace your cheap, what I personally call yard mowing beer, which is typically light. Very, very light beers, but replacing it with a Paloma. Oh, yeah. Got grapefruit and lime and tequila in it. Yes. Sign me up all day long. Right. And once again, with this Paloma, it you don't need a really high-end tequila. No. Like, I use the Epsilon Blanco that we've talked about before. And then, actually, also, because I, I also use some of the Jose Cuervo, Jose Cuervo Gold in it. And, Need a high end rum for this or high end tequila. You just want that kind of nice, refreshing feel to it that's going to have a little bit of that agave kick. I would definitely not use an agave in this. No. Maybe not even a full on prepa. No. Yeah, this is just good, cheap tequila. Good Blanco, whatever. It's delicious in this. Well, Jordan, this has been fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. You know, when I first thought about this, you know, I just thought myself here, like, talking talking through cocktails. But it's been great having you on to have the discussion and actually have somebody to talk to about these cocktails. And I really appreciate you coming on while, you know, Dad's loving it on the beach in St. Martin. Must be nice to be retired. Must be nice. So... (laughs) Well, I appreciate, I, once again, I appreciate you for coming on. Next week is going to be a wine week, and uh, we're going to have our good friend Seth on. It's going to be lots of fun. Seth and I are going to be doing late spring, early summer wine, and he is going to be doing a muscat, and I'm going to be doing some kind of rosé yet. I'm not sure if it's going to be sparkling or if it's going to be still. Please but... do sparkling so that I can come over and drink some of it later. <laughs> I'm I'm sure there's going to be plenty left over, but it's going to be a great time. Seth is also the local wine writer here for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, uh, which you can also find his articles online. So we're going to be talking about that, his journey into wine. We may be doing a little bit of pairings, but it's going to be it's going to be a really good time. Seth, that's a really cool guy, big longtime listener of the podcast. I mean, I'm really excited to have him on. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what Seth has to say. Yeah, this will be lots of fun. So once again, thank you for listening. We've got Jordan here with us. And once again, I'm Josh Mills. Thanks for thanks for listening. Bye.